After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast along with Aaron Fitt live from Coral Gables. I'm John Manuel here in our Durham, North Carolina World Headquarters. I want to remind you that the Baseball America podcast, of course, is brought to you by Louisville Slugger and uh Aaron, when I find the read, I'll, I'll do the read. But uh, first off, let's uh, talk about your trip this weekend, your first time in Coral Gables, correct? Yeah, it is, actually. You know, it's one of those deals where uh, I feel like I, I've always seen Miami multiple times a year when they come up to the Triangle back when I was on the East Coast the, the first time around. And so I uh, never got around to actually getting down here. So um Wanted to get down this this year and really enjoyed my my experience, John. I got to tell you, it was a it was a fantastic atmosphere for all three of those games uh, against Florida, and uh, you know there were four thousand plus people there uh, Saturday night, maybe Friday night also, and they were into it and uh, very very energetic. They stayed deep into the game, and even Sunday was you know a little bit of a smaller crowd, still very energetic, lively crowd. I really enjoyed the atmosphere. Well. A couple things there. First off, that the podcast is powered by Louisville Slugger. Leave your mark with a 2014 attack, raid, and assault bat lineup this season. Stronger, lighter, farther, Louisville Slugger. And second of all, Aaron, that the, you know Miami baseball, the crazy thing about Miami baseball, compared to a lot of other college baseballs, like I said, those are good-sized crowds. But the U has a, a long history of good <laughs> college baseball attendance, going back to the Ron Frazier era, the late Ron Frazier. Um, really built college baseball's audience there before Miami had a professional baseball team, a major league baseball team. Of course, there's calling the Marlins major league is debatable, but they technically are in major league baseball. <laughs> and um, so, you know, the, the U had big crowds in the 80s before the Marlins ever showed up. So there's a core, correct me if I'm wrong, even in today, even in 2014, there's a dedicated, hardcore, veteran core of Hurricanes baseball fans, right? Yeah, absolutely right. And you know, Jim Morris talked about that a little bit yesterday about how they predate the Marlins and the Heat, and you know they have that. They're they're fortunate because you know, like in the LA area, you're competing for uh, the entertainment buck with a lot of different things down here in Miami. Um, but you know, they have they have that history of drawing that goes back a long way, uh, which you know, which does insulate them a little bit, I think. And and you know, I mean, it was. Uh, I'll tell you, this is probably the best team they've had since 2008. Um, and I've talked to a lot of people who feel that way and not just, not just me, not just Jim Morris. Um, although he agrees with that also, I mean, I think this is a, a very good Miami team, you know, and, and, um, it helps that they're, they're so experienced on the mound. 
um, in the rotation. You know, those three left-handers, that's a very, very tough rotation to navigate. Um, and then, you know, their bullpen, I feel like, has really solidified now with, with the freshman Brian Garcia at the back. Um, he pitched twice this weekend and picked up a save both times, did a good job. Uh, they needed that. You know, they still have A.J. Salcines for the lefties back there, so they've, they've got a few different looks. Danny Garcia is another freshman, uh, so they've got two Garcias to, to keep an eye on the back there. But, uh, um, you know, so now I, that was one question we had on Miami coming the year was, you know, how is the bullpen going to shake out? And so far, so good. I feel pretty good about that. I think they are, as we expected, much more physical than they've been in years. Um, and they hit, what, five or six home runs this weekend. I mean, that was clear evidence right there for a team that hit 14 home runs all season last year. That is a stunning stat. 14 home runs all year last year to already have uh, – they have hit six over the weekend. I, I know they have more than six. Uh, Zach Collins breaking out of the over 17 with a home run. And uh, it's like Dale Carey with an epic bat flip on Friday. I think if you'd, <laughs> strugg- if you'd struggled as much as Dale Carey has struggled in his college career after so much was expected of him, you know, Dale Carey part of a very touted 2010 high school class back in the state of Georgia, produced six for- – the state of Georgia produced six first-round picks in 2010. Four of them, I believe, were high schoolers. Let's see if I can remember. You got Deliner DeShields Jr. You got Cam Bedrosian. Uh, you got Caleb Cowart. Both Angels first-round picks. I'm leaving somebody out. You had, like, Chris Hawkins that year. It was a big Georgia prep class that year. And Dale Carey was part of it. Trey Griffin was another highly touted guy. Trey Griffin's kind of washed out as an amateur. Dale Carey, a senior, I'm sure when he went to Miami, Aaron, he did not expect to be a four-year player. But uh, it's taken a little bit longer for him. But are there some signs there? Because this is a guy who's very athletic, has some speed. Uh, Are there some signs besides the bat flip that Dale Carey could turn things around and be a be a key player for the Canes this year. You know he's gotten a lot stronger. First of all, um, you know that's something they they a lot of guys I spoke with around that program this fall um, raved about. You know how much of a difference it's made getting a new strength and conditioning coach in there, and uh, you know their, their strength program is really accelerated. And uh, you know Garrett Kennedy's a lot stronger. Um, Dale, Dale Carey's a lot stronger, and you know that's the biggest thing. But uh, I think his approach is also better. I think the mental side of his game is maturing. He does have, like you said, really good speed and, and power. It's an intriguing combination. I mean, he could be a, a pretty good pick as a senior for somebody this year. That's what I'm thinking if it, if it were to come together. And obviously, Aaron, uh, Miami's been embroiled in controversy. That's part of the reason why you're down there. They've had the uh, their association with the biogenesis uh, scandal. You've had the, the fact that their stadium is named Alex Rodriguez. It's Mark Light Field at Alex Rodriguez Stadium, correct? I think it's Alex Rodriguez Parker, something okay. like that. I mean, are there any, you know, I can make a million A-Rod jokes, but just on a serious note, I mean, uh, how much has that <laughs> worn on the program? And is the, does it feel like they're turning the corner, not just on the field, but maybe just uh, coming through this more difficult period? Is that, uh, is that, does that, do you sense that with the team and with the program? Yes, I do. And, you know, I was wondering, um, you know, what kind of hit they would take from that whole thing because they had a number of key guys tied up in that thing. And, you know, it's like Jim Morris said, I mean, the, the biogenesis clinic is a nine iron away from his baseball facility. And he didn't even know, he said, didn't even know anything about it. Um, so it's just, you know, it's one of those things where it, it's hard, you know, <laughs> it's hard not to look at that thing and, and wonder if they were going to take a hit. Um, and somehow, you know, at, at this point, it seems like they haven't really, I mean, they, they've kind of, you know, they've gotten through it somewhat unscathed, and, and now there's light at the end of the tunnel, um, you know, with this freshman class coming in, and, and the future looks pretty bright there. So it's a very interesting program. You know, as, as we know, they haven't really been um, 
performing up to their standards over the last, you know, six years here since 2008. And they've been to Omaha since 08, which is a long time for that program. Right. And uh, and they know it. You know, they, they they hear about it. I mean, there there is some pressure there. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm very intrigued by the direction they're heading in. But but I think it's a, I think it's a positive direction. I really do. Because I'm looking at our top ten right now, and you know, you've, if you're listening to this podcast, you've likely seen the top ten already online at baseballamerica.com. But Virginia stays at number one. Florida State, South Carolina, Oregon State, Cal State, Fullerton, NC State, LSU, Vanderbilt, Oregon, Louisiana Lafayette. There's certainly some traditional powers in there, some nouveau riche power, new powers. I should call Oregon State or South Carolina nouveau riche, but there's certainly newer, more recent powers than Miami. Um, but Fullerton's long time, you know, Fullerton and LSU are the only teams that really, to me, I think of as, and, and Florida State, I think of as longtime traditional powers. And of course, Florida State hasn't won a championship once at the expense of Miami in '99 in the championship game. Um, so it just, you know, to to Miami's older fans, though, almost all those teams, other than Fullerton and LSU, are kind of Johnny Come Latelys to uh, to the college baseball scene. Let's talk about some of those Johnny Come Latelys, Aaron. Aaron, yeah. uh, obviously, Oregon State is number four. They uh, you know only went two and two on the week, uh, including one and two down on the Big Ten uh, Pac-12 Challenge. But a big week, obviously, them in the news um, with the whole Ben Wetzler thing. He'll pitch this coming weekend. I uh, wasn't sure what your thoughts were on the, on the Beavers. It feels like they've weathered this uh, controversy and storm fairly well. You'd certainly like to have seen them win two out of three instead of uh, go one and two. But uh, I, I don't think there's any harm in losing early season games to good teams like Michigan State and Nebraska. It's not, you know, you'd expect Oregon yeah. State to do better. But uh, overall, how do you feel the Beavers came through this uh couple of week controversy with Wetzler. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, they did okay. And, and you know, to me, the, the, the key things for them would be, um, you know, how well Scott Schultz has pitched, first of all, on Sunday. I mean, that's been a huge boost for them, not not having Wetzler. Uh, they slide him from the bullpen into the rotation. And, I mean, they went the distance on Sunday and, you know, lifted them to a big win there against Indiana. But um, the, the thing that, that's been holding them back a little bit, I think, the, the you know, I wouldn't call it a red flag, but a concern at this point would be, for me, the middle infield defense. Um, you know, Andy Peterson, you expect to be a pretty darn good defender, and he's struggled. He's made some costly errors at second base, and, and Trevor Morrison, of course, you've got a, a freshman shortstop. I mean, coming into the year, that was one of the big keys for the season for Oregon State, and we obviously believe in that guy uh, as a top 200 guy out of high school, and, um, you know, we wouldn't rank the number two in the preseason if we didn't think that he could do the job, but, um, you know, there's going to be some growing pains, and yeah, I think he'll be better at the end of the year than he is early, um, which is pretty typical, usually for freshmen, certainly shortstops. Um, but, uh, you know, and then the bullpen. I mean, not having Schultz in the bullpen hurts him. Uh, you know, he's done a great job starting, but he was a key piece in the bullpen. So they've got a, a younger bullpen and a number of guys that really need to still establish themselves. So um, to me, they've got a few more question marks than they had uh, heading into the season. But when Wessler gets back, I think that will help because it's, you know, just one less, one less guy you need to keep in your rotation. And you make a great point about uh, just, you know, last year's team was um, so solid up the middle and Tyler Smith was just so dependable and he had a great pro debut even in the Appalachian League. I mean, college and you're going into that league, you should have, but this is a good college shortstop and those guys are tough to replace, uh, even if you're Oregon State. Yeah, and you don't see a lot of teams with freshman shortstops winning the national championship. If you think back to recent years, um, you know, you had Alex Mejia, of course, at uh, um, 
Arizona. You know, you had uh, Pat Valleca last year for UCLA. You had those South Carolina older guys, you know, Haney and, and Mooney. Um, you know, it's, it's a pretty common theme. Um, you know, going back to Darwin Barney, of course, I mean, Oregon State and, um, you know, Danny Muno for Fresno State. I mean, every year there's there's these teams that win it all tend to have um, an experienced shortstop. So, um, you know, I'd be curious to see how far a team with a freshman shortstop can go. I'm with you, Aaron. Uh, we're talking college baseball with Aaron Fit on the weekly Baseball America College podcast. Aaron, uh, Virginia, pretty uh, dominant effort out of the Cavaliers, uh, sweeping East Carolina this weekend. Um, a lot of buzz about Brandon Downs, the home run he hit off Jeff Hoffman on Friday. That uh, already covered by Clint Longenecker on our website. Um, Florida State with a, a perfect week, uh, you know, two-game sweep of Georgia. The Scott Strickland era off to a 1-5 and five start. Uh, we're not scared off of the Scott Strickland uh, era at uh, in Athens, are we, Aaron? Oh, heck no. I mean, you know, they're going to struggle this year. I mean, you know, make no mistake, it's going to be a long year in Athens. But, um, you know, it'll take a little bit of time to get that thing turned around. But he's going to turn it around. I mean, that's that's a guy I've got complete faith in. Completely there with you. I, I think the most impressive performance so far this season in the category of team performance, uh, there are several nominees. Cal Poly, one of the nominees. But I, I might have to say South Carolina, Aaron, just because I know we're in a BB core era and a – depressed offensive environment but five shutouts you know 51 innings in a row scoreless hmm. that's crazy i mean like south carolina yeah i mean <laughs> shut out four shutouts during the week five consecutive shutouts 51 inning scoreless streak uh this is just it's kind of stunning especially considering that two of those five games were started by a freshman but we uh, both are pretty high on will crow coming into the year and he's not your typical freshman no, he's not. He's he's really good. And uh, I love that rotation, you know, and certainly you have to add the caveat that this has been a very soft schedule early on. But you know what? Um, South Carolina played a, a Patriot League team and they swept them and dominated them. And Mississippi State played a Patriot League team and they lost two games. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, um, you got to take care of business. And South Carolina has definitely done that. Uh, really, really like their team, John. I mean, I, I think they're I think they're complete, um, you know, and they have fewer question marks to me. Um, than a team like Oregon State now at this point in the season. You know, it's early, but I mean, hanging into the year, obviously I was higher in Oregon State, but South Carolina, uh, you know, I don't see a hole there. I, I think they're, I think they're really good, and 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 I think uh, that that will be a fun series against Clemson. Obviously, uh, the first real test for either of those teams. Uh, I'm certainly am high on Clemson's team too, but um, South Carolina, to me, feels feels like a like an elite elite club at this point. Yeah, Will Crow and Jordan Montgomery have not given up a run combined in 24 and two thirds innings yet. Uh, you know, so you have the the junior veteran ace. You know, the uh, I think a fitting heir to the throne of Mike Roth, uh, Michael Roth and Jordan Montgomery. Uh, Jack Weinkoop has uh, you know struck out 16 in 12 innings, so he's been fairly dominant. Although he's the weak link on the staff with his two runs allowed. So um, just you know, and, Will, <laughs> and Will Crow is like a young Joe Blanton. Uh, people think of Joe Blanton in a negative light. Hey, Joe Blanton was a first round pick with like a 10 year big league career. Will Crow's like a little harder throwing at the same age, Joe Blanton. I mean, this guy, yeah. you know, he gets that Joe Blanton comp because he's a big guy who spins a breaking ball. That is not a bad comp. I mean, it's a it's a complimentary comparison. And uh, that's that's why I brought up the Gamecocks, number one, because they've been so dominant. And number two, Aaron, because you are going to go experience that rivalry next weekend uh, with Clemson and South Carolina. And what should people expect in that? I mean, uh, 
you know, Clemson had Garrett Boulware with a couple of home runs this this coming week. I mean, Clemson was a very scrappy freshman-oriented team last year. They're obviously some more sophomore-oriented, and they feel like they're. I mean, again, it's it's early, but just on paper, you know, that's a less scrappy team and more of a physical team that should mm-hmm. be able to bang with the big boys this year. No, I agree, and and I definitely like what I've seen from afar um, this year from their lineup. I mean, uh, you know, with Tyler Slayton and Tyler Krieger at the top, some of those guys are really, uh, you know, making that offense go like they needed to do. Um, I'm not as I'm not as convinced yet, um, you know, that their pitching staff is is uh, is, is top shelf. Um, I'm curious to see what they do this weekend. You know, they did fine this weekend. They didn't allow a whole lot of runs, but uh, you know, to me, they don't, they don't have the kind of pedigree on the mound um, that right. the Gamecocks have. So, um, but I, but I do like their lineup quite a bit. Right now I'm there with you. I mean Daniel Gossett on Friday is uh, and Matthew Crown over you as a top two guys. They're both good guys, but it seems like that third spot so far it's been Jake Long um, has not quite uh, I guess uh, been up to snuff uh, really for uh, yeah you know, at this early he, stage. He was good yesterday. Okay, good against. He was good, good against, yesterday. You know, good against he, Maine is not the same as good yeah. against South Carolina. Do you think? No, that, that's probably a good <laughs> point. <laughs> so. Yeah, Maine, uh, Maine only one in five against the top 25 this year with a win against Miami. Uh, so far, Maine one in five in the Atlantic Coast Conference. I didn't know the ACC had expanded up to Presque Isle to include, uh, <laughs> include Maine. You, ever, you never lived in Maine, did you, Aaron? I never lived in Maine. I spent some time there, and, and I, don't, I don't blame the ACC for, for trying to get that uh, Bangor market. You know, it's a big media market up there. <laughs> well played. <laughs> Maine, of course, part of the Bay State until 1820, if memory serves, when Maine became an independent state. So... Oh, little U.S. history. Yeah, good riddance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Aaron, a couple other SEC notes I wanted to hit at you, and we have a Twitter question that applies to this. It's from our friends at VU Hawk Talk, uh, the Vanderbilt baseball tweeting uh, handle. Um, he has a couple of questions. First, what to make of Indiana's early struggles? Good competition, rough side of being a cold-weather team. Um, this was a, po- a point of contention in today's uh, rankings meeting as we debated uh, how far to hit the Hoosiers. I was on the side of don't hit them too hard, and I was a lone voice in the wilderness on that on that point. Uh, no one else on the staff agreed. What do you make of the Hoosier struggles, Fitzy? I mean, uh, uh, two and five is two and five, kind of hard to ignore two and five, I guess, really in the big picture, right? That's it. I mean, they're you know, they're still, what, number – 17 in the rankings right. at two and five. I mean, people right. can look at that and say, how the heck is this team top, you know, top 25 with that record? Well, because we do believe in their talent. I mean, that's, you know, that's how you, that's how you're 17th with, with a two and five record. But, and, and, and you have to acknowledge again that, you know, we, we do give a little bit of a, a little bit more slack to those cold weather teams that struggle early in the year than, you know, than versus, versus Mississippi state that, you know, shouldn't lose two games at home to Holy Cross uh, ever, but especially in February. I mean, Holy, Holy you know, Cross I mean, is Holy game. Cross is a, Holy Cross did not play last. Holy week. Cross's first games of the year. Yep, that's right. And you know, again, we're talking about a a, a team in, in Worcester, Mass, that has no scholarships because they're in the Patriot League. And you know, it's a good program for the Patriot League, but um, you know, that that's just, that's not something that should really happen to Mississippi State. So, um, anyway, so yeah, you give you give the Hoosiers a little bit more leeway. Um, but you know, there are a few things that I'm concerned about with that team. I mean, first of all, um, they're pitching. Other than Joey Donato, who bounced back nicely, uh, their pitching hasn't been great. And and you know, I'm not sure that that Will Corson Carr, uh, you know, he started slow last year. I don't. I think maybe it, it was a conditioning issue, or he didn't come back to 
to camp in the best of shape and, and he was a few weeks behind everybody. And I think that might be the case again this year. Um, you know, and, and uh, certainly Kyle Hart has struggled. I mean, it's, it, he's got to throw strikes. Um, his command, I think, has been an issue yeah, in the seven, past. Seven, and, walk, uh, seven walks and seven innings so far. He's not. I would say that Kyle Hart star, because of Kyle Hart's start, Will Corson Carr is furious. So, <laughs> nice. I just, no, had to mix, I just had to mix in. A Nobody will get that reference except me. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> sorry. Anytime I see the word car, I think of Aaron Fitt impersonating Tommy Heinsohn talking about ML Carr being furious. So, that's it. Can you, you can't, you can't throw me a Will Corson Carr is furious. Uh, how about uh, Bing Bang Barros? Not, I don't know. Perfect. I wish, I wish no, it was I a college baseball player named Barros. Bing Banga <laughs> Barros. So, <laughs> there you go. This podcast has gone off the rails quickly, thanks to me. But uh, yep, they're pitching, and Aaron IU hasn't hit yet. I mean, only two home runs, and they're hitting two twenty eight as a team. And this is you know supposed to be their calling card is the physicality. They just quite haven't uh, taken off offensively yet. Correct. Right, and that'll come, I and mean, that's one thing I'm not really worried about. You know, um, they're they're gonna hit. I mean, the the bats will get going. Uh, I'm more worried about the the rotation. I, I do I do think that uh, they're gonna be fine in the bullpen with Halstead and Efros. I mean, Efros has been very good so far. Stuff's been good, um, but uh, you know, they, they will hit. I mean, we'll, we'll give them a little bit more time here to get it figured out before we run them out of the top 25. And and this is one of those teams that even if they do, you know, even if they continue to struggle for two more weeks and they follow their top 25. I don't think that necessarily means they're, you know, they're a fraud. I mean, you know, it's like UConn, we talked about before a couple of years ago. Uh, they started eight, nine, and one. And I'm pretty sure they they fell out of the rankings, but we we never quit on them. Uh, you just have to acknowledge that, you know, the performance is is what it is. So uh, right now, um, the Hoosiers are uh, are hanging around. I mean, the point that you just made, I wish I'd, I I wish that had been made exactly the way you said it in the meeting. I would have not talked so much. But they are two and five, and they're still ranked 17th. I mean, that's a great, that's a pretty big show of respect that they're two and five and they're in yeah. the rankings. That does not normally happen. A um, couple other things before we let you go, Aaron, on a shorter podcast today. Um, this question came into us from Jason Paint, another eye on Vandy, another Vanderbilt fan. Jason Pyant. I'm sorry, I read his name wrong. Uh, not looking at ranking, what would our top five be based on how teams are playing? Well, I think mainly the point is who are five teams who have gotten off to a great start. And I guess number one, we just kind of talked about South Carolina in a way, even though the schedule is very, very weak. Uh, five straight shutouts is pretty impressive. Hashtag impressive. But Cal Poly would have to be in that top five. The Mustangs up to number yeah. thir- up to number 13 after winning two out of three at UCLA. Yeah, the Mustangs to me have – uh, the most impressive resume on paper after two weeks, you know, and I know Kansas State has struggled. I think Kansas State's one and seven. Um, you know, they had a bad weekend out there of that St. Mary's tournament. But um, again, that's a team, a cold weather team like Indiana. That's the best will come because they're experienced and they're they're You know, they did it last year. There's track record. Um be patient with those guys. I, I'm a little <laughs> less sure of, in, of Kansas State because of their pitching is, I think, just not great at all. Um, I have more faith in Indiana's pitching than certainly than I do in Kansas State's. But nonetheless, sweeping those guys the way they did was, was a good series win for Cal Poly. And then to go on the road at UCLA, um, and I know UCLA is banged up, but they're still UCLA and they're defending national champions. And um, they have very good pitching and they have talent in the lineup. I mean, it's, uh, you know, Poly is certainly the more offensive team, but um, 
you know, it's not like UCLA is, is, is a bunch of, you know, walk-ons running around out there. I mean, they've, they've got talent. <laughs> so that, that's, a, that's a very impressive series after they lost the opener. And I kind of thought going into that series that, you know, Cal Poly would win that first game with, with Matt Imhoff on the mound because UCLA has typically struggled with those really good lefties. And he's a really good lefty. And, and you know, the Bruins beat him um, pretty handily. But then Cal Poly came back the next two days and, and shut him down um, with Slater Lee and Casey Bloomquist. And to me, that's been the, the biggest development for Poly. The only reason they, we didn't rank them in the preseason was I wasn't sure what to expect from their number two and number three starters. I liked every other piece of that team. I, I liked their offense, their defense, their bullpen, their number one starter. And, and through two weeks, Slater Lee and Casey Bloomquist have been really good. And that makes me think this is a complete team and a team that has a chance to go pretty far in the postseason. That's a good answer. Who else has kind of jumped out to you, Aaron, just for their good start? I mean, Vanderbilt's uh, undefeated at to this point. You know, Arkansas, they haven't really – none of those teams have really played anybody. Who else uh, has jumped out? I, I see the University of Houston is 7-0 and and has only allowed yeah. uh, six runs all year. Are there other candidates for teams that have really uh, impressed you here early on? Yeah, I do like Houston's team, and and you know had had them as a regional team coming into the year. Um, you know, they they were probably a 35 to 40 range team for me um, in, in the preseason, and you know they've moved up. I think they're certainly in the, in the discussion for the top 25. Um, you know, and, and that's a pretty good Michigan team that they beat. I think that Michigan team is uh, is pretty talented, and and um, you know I heard a report that they're 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 pretty uh, um, energetic. You know, yep. they they. they People who've seen that team play really like, um, you know, the, the the style of play. I mean, Eric Backich, you know, he, he's a hard-nosed guy. And, and Michigan, is it's not an easy series to win, I think, even though it's early. I think it's a quality series for, for Houston. So um, I think that's another team that, again, is uh, has is a lot of talent in the lineup. They got some power. They got some speed. They got balance. Um, and, and, you know, the, the pitching has continued to improve under Frank Anderson. Um, I think they're going to be pretty good. I, I like Mercer's team. They're off to a very good start. They're still, I think they're 8-0 now. Um, another team that to me was not too far outside the top 25 uh, in the preseason. And, and they'll, you know, they're knocking on the door. Um, you know, they're very offensive. They have experience on the mound. They led the nation of fielding percentage last year. I mean, and they got a lot back from that team. But I think... Oh, I hope I didn't lose Aaron. A little static on the line there. Uh, we will see if we can't get Aaron back. Oh, there you are. I didn't hear you for a while there, Aaron. Are you back? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry about that, John. What was the last thing you heard? You were talking about Mercer and how good they were. I, I heard quite. I yeah. think we heard a decent amount of the Mercer tip, Mercer 8-0. Other team I wanted to bring to your attention, then we'll wrap things up, Aaron, was Southern California. I understand that. Their schedule yes. has not been has not been a great schedule. They just swept North Dakota State this weekend. Um, they swept Northwestern, but you know USC for people who don't know, they have not been to regional since 2005. Aaron's been covering college baseball for us since 2005. They've been relevant once since Aaron worked here at BA. So it's a big deal that Southern Cal is off to a 7-0 start, and they play Cal Poly next weekend. Great measuring stick for both teams, won't it be? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, that's one of those series that is very intriguing. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, I like this USC team. I do. I'm glad you brought them up. And how about the unlikely hero yesterday? It was Omar uh, Cotto Lazada with a three-run homer. I think it was a walk-off to win that game. Um, it's a guy who's known for speed. I mean, this is a, a, a elite kind of sprinter, track and field star from Puerto Rico. Uh, I think he runs like a 6'3 or something. I mean, this guy can fly, but not known for power. So when you're getting game-winning home runs from a guy like that, you know, you get a little bit of mojo. So, um, you know, they not not the 
um, most challenging weekend here, but they did win a midweek game at Cal- against Cal State Fullerton, and, and they played very well in that game. And I like their team. I like their arms. Um, I like their depth, and, and I like the fact that some of the guys in the lineup, those sophomores, have taken big steps forward this year, like Von Bazoyan especially. Um, so, I, yeah, I think they're, like I said in the preseason, I think they're a regional team. I think they're a lot better, and this is the first time in a long time they've been relevant. I'm looking forward to the uh, Von Bazoyan nigel Newtbar era uh, bearing fruit in uh, there's got to be a fruity newt bar out there somewhere. <laughs> Just a great name. I hope so. Nigel Newt Bar and Von Bazillion. If that matchup next weekend, you have uh, the Clemson South Carolina matchup that you will be at next weekend. We've got Alabama Louisiana Lafayette that'll match a couple of top 25 teams. Yes. Uh, next weekend down on uh, and, and kudos to Alabama. How many SEC teams go on the road in the preseason and go play another top 25 team? I mean. Uh, it happens, but it, usually when it happens, it's like a big, big-time rivalry, uh, you know, in-state rivalry like a Georgia-Georgia like Tech Florida. or South. Yeah, exactly. Florida, Miami, South Carolina, Clemson. This is Alabama, Louisiana, Lafayette. Um, so kudos to the Alabama Crimson Tide for going on the road next weekend. Uh, and I'm that'll gonna- be. That'll be fun too. Sorry to interrupt, John, but yeah, I mean Lafayette, you know, going on the road this past weekend and sweeping Southern Miss, and you know, I think that's a. a chance to be a decent Southern Miss team um, that, that's a really good series win for the Cajuns and you know how much uh, how high we are on that team we've talked a lot about them in, in the podcast previously but um, that'll be a fun series next weekend yeah and I mean it just it, and it's a couple it's a, it's a great contrast because Lafayette's an older physical team uh, offensive calling card whereas uh, Alabama seems like it's a freshman and sophomore kind of dominated team and it's really pitched well and still pitching well but the offense hasn't quite come through yet. It doesn't feel like, uh, you know, again, it's two right. weeks in, but it feels like Alabama is still winning some games more because of its pitching and defense than because of its offensive uh, firepower. Um, Aaron, anything yeah. else, any other points you wanted to hit before I let you go? Cause uh, you got a plane yeah. to catch and a couple other things to, to, to hit up on a college Monday today. Yeah, you know, just last thing, I mean, I guess following up on the, the, the couple of Vanderbilt fans that, that wrote in, and I do think Vanderbilt to me is one of those teams that um, I feel like is probably better than we, where we had them ranked in the preseason. And we had them number 10, which I thought was a perfectly fine place for them to be ranked considering how much they lost um, and how many unproven players they were relying upon. But we knew they were talented and they had a lot of upside. Um, and, and so far... I love what I've heard from that team. I mean, with the the depth of that pitching staff is crazy. Um, their Sunday guy Tyler Ferguson has has been lighting it up. Um, Jared Miller, of course, and and uh, it's been really good on Saturdays. And Tyler Beatty not walking anybody and just dominating, not giving up any hits. He's not giving up base runners. Period on Fridays. He's put it all together. Um, and, and you know, their their newcomers in the lineup have performed. Uh, I think that team is is going to be really good so um, you know for me right now I'm looking at the SEC and, and LSU has played well too against lesser competition but um, I have more questions still with LSU I, I believe in South Carolina I believe in Vanderbilt I think those are the two best teams in the SEC I think I'm with you on that and another good uh, good test next week I mean not, not like Vanderbilt hasn't been tested so far they went to Long Beach State again a solid uh, always solid talent at, at Long Beach State uh, kind of dominated that series and then really just bombed Louisiana. I mean, Illinois, uh, Chicago, <laughs> Louisiana, Chicago. That would be funny. Illinois, Chicago. Um, but a big test for Vanderbilt coming up next weekend uh, against Stanford. Uh, well, we had some connectivity problems with Aaron down in uh, South Florida, but uh, rest assured he's 
alive and well. And we will be back next week with another college baseball podcast here at BaseballAmerica.com. This podcast, like every college podcast, is powered by Louisville Slugger. Leave your mark with a 2014 attack, raid, and assault bat lineup this season. Stronger, lighter, farther, Louisville Slugger. So for Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you here on the next Baseball America College podcast. Until then, so long, everybody. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.